Good evening, and welcome to the latest edition of the Progress with Unity podcast. Your esteemed, sorry. Good evening. Ah, good evening. <laughs> Your esteemed host Barry is unfortunately previously indisposed this evening, so I, Dan, shall be taking his position as host. And with me round the table tonight, I have Greg. How are you, Daniel? Right? I'm all right, thanks. Gareth. Good evening, Dan. Sorry, I nearly forgot your name again there. I will do that from time to time. We have Rob. Good evening, Dan. Good evening. We have first time and Mick. How are you doing? I'm all right, Dan, thank you. Ah, very good. I hear you've been a Wigan Athletic supporter since 1960. No, that's not right. Quite true. Um, I've always had a soft spot for Wigan Athletic, growing up in the town, and as you do, um, you always follow your hometown team. And I've always done that but in the 70s when uh, you know I was old enough to go to football matches on my own I wanted to go and watch some quality football really and so we did actually travel all over Lancashire we went everywhere we went Preston we went Blackburn we went even into Liverpool and watched both clubs in Liverpool and I found myself to a certain extent being a bit of a regular on the Stretford end in the early 70s mm. um, uh, but we always had that soft spot for Wigan Athletic and it was a case of if we can athletic her at all, you go to the Latics at Springfield Park. But if there was a way, hmm, a two people's ride to Bolton to watch Bolton play in the first division game was a better prospect than trying to catch a coach or something else like that to um, Scarborough or whatever in the good old days of the Northern Premier League. So much, much travelled in, in Lancashire really watching football, but always, always have been a Latics fan. Always been a Latics fan. But meeting people like Robert in the way in which I did, and I'll, I'll tell you that off air, so to speak. <laughs> um, yes, press red for the <laughs> rest of the Unity Extra to hear that. <laughs> Robert's a very good friend of my son's, but I also used to teach Robert. And noticing his passion uh, for the Latics at an early age kind of rubs off on you. And with living so close it kind of rekindled my interest in in going watching the latics again but it wasn't just robert it was quite a few other things as well um but dare i say it i was a season ticket holder uh, last season i had the same seat for the warriors and the latics uh -huh. so I, I class myself as a true wiganer ah yes so a proper wigan football fan a Lancashire football fan even, and a Wigan rugby fan too. And I feel we've learned a little bit about Rob there as well. <laughs> and also joining us tonight is Paul, who's not in his seat at the moment, but he'll be floating around and might pop in to make the odd comment. So, I think we'd better get straight onto the meat of this podcast. You're all itching to hear it, aren't you? All the negative vibes from Saturday. It's of course, we were defeated by Sunderland 3-2. And the general consensus here is it wasn't very good. Rob, what did you think? Well, the first half I thought was really poor. And uh, the ma it's the manner of the goals we can see them. what's frustrating more than anything. Because we seem to do the most difficult parts of the game. I mean, how many times have we scored two goals at home this season and, and not won the game? Yes. And due to poor defending... Uh, but like I said, we do the difficult games, we can control matches with possession, we can create chances, we can score goals. We can't seem to defend set pieces very well, and we've conceded the most in the Premier League this season, uh, out of everybody. So, 
And then the cro- look at the, the goals from Saturday. I mean, James McCarthy should have took that in his face. I mean, I don't know what his arm's doing up in the air there. Uh, just really poor defending, I think, uh, as well in the first half. What's cost us? We give ourselves too much to do. Yeah, I generally go along the same lines in that I think we looked a man short at times in defence and lacking that little bit of quality. I don't know what you thought about that, Gareth. The third goal was the one that brought it home to me more than anything. And I've watched it several times on the Yes, the Fletcher goal, the second Fletcher goal. The second Fletcher goal, the one... 43 minutes or something like that, just before half-time. Yeah, the one that eventually won the game. They got the free kick from the right-hand side and sort of lumped the ball into the penalty area. You know, something that we don't do. We'd have passed it around for half an hour. (laughs) Um, They sort of lumped the ball. They had three attackers in that region. We had five defenders. Um, Gary Caldwell being the only one who went to actually go for it. But he stumbled, sort of, just just, just as he was going to jump. Uh, and Fletcher got the ball and well, the rest is history but the other guys surrounding him Figueroa, Boyce, MacArthur and Stam were all open mouth ball watching which I thought was, you know, considering we're at home we're fighting for our lives we're already 2-1 down it's approaching half time it's inexcusable yeah. uh, I'm sorry but it is um, we should be we should be expecting more from our defenders. The better defenders than that. Sorry. Well, yes, I'm hoping that Roberto might give them a bit of a kick up the backside after that. Personally, Greg, I'm a little bit wary of asking you what you thought, but if you could just maybe bring a little bit of positivity positivity back into things. Oh, perhaps. we were great for the first five minutes. <laughs> it just went to pot after that bit. <laughs> I think it's well all along good. I think there's a lot of fingers being pointed at the defence, but I just think all around they were bad. You know, uh, Franco wasn't his usual self. He didn't seem to be getting himself about. He wasn't battling for every single ball, which he's been. I thought he's been brilliant to do in this season. He had an off day, and then the central midfielders. I just thought they weren't themselves at all. You know, like I said, the defence was bad. The defence was poor. But I think the way we play, we should be able to defend from midfield, and everything was coming through and. You know, um, Gareth touching it there about the, the um, Fletcher goal. We were just talking in our seats at the at the game just before that, saying you can't give Fletcher space after his first goal. Absolutely. And bang! All of a sudden, he's put it in the top corner. Um, individual errors as well. I mean, I think was it yourself who pointed to? No, sorry, it was Robinson who pointed to the McCarthy's handball. I'd drag that back to what the hell was Ronnie Stam doing, giving the ball away in such a stupid position mm-hmm. for us to give that free kick away in the first place. It was. It was poor. Mm. I mean, we picked up in the second half. If that's the, the positive that we want, we, we seem to dominate the game. Um, we were a lot improved. I thought Roger Espinosa looked brilliant. He looked. I think he's going to be a really good signing. And obviously, Enrique has got his goal too. So, they're the two to, to positives I'm looking at. And just forget this one and move on. I think. Yeah, I'm particularly excited. If there is a positive or a couple of positives from Saturday, firstly, Sean Maloney's performance. I thought he was really yeah. good. And secondly, Enriquez, because he really excites me. Just, I know he's only played, what, less than 120 minutes for us so far, but with that one goal, that run that he made, the gambles that uh, proper centre-forwards take to score goals, I think that's something that we're missing since Cohen has gone to the African Cup of Nations. And he could possibly, maybe, drop into the role. What do you think, Mick? 
Uh, what you, about uh, Enriquez or about the game, uh, the game as a whole? Because I think Enriquez coming on did actually offer us something new. And yes. For once, I applaud R- Roberto for making a change at half time, even though it was a, a forced uh, interchange, wasn't it? Because Stam picked up an injury quite early on. I think it was left exposed quite a little bit in that first half as well, though, because of that injury. But I think Enriquez and uh, I, I would say. Uh, Espinosa as well coming on offered Wigan something different and it was good to see something happening early on in the second half rather than with five minutes to go which has been a feature of this season really is uh, and again I've been a, too much of a critic of, of Roberto Martinez in the fact that I've always asked well where's his plan B was his plan B? When things aren't going our way, how's he going to change it? And that's for me, that's a sign of a good manager is when you can actually make a couple of changes. And it isn't necessarily dependent upon what squad you've got. It's your formation. The one thing that led us down uh, on Saturday, like I was sat up in the Erie Heights of the back row of the East Stand, and we were completely exposed on the right flank. Mm. We had nobody playing wide right up front. Right. Because we... And the criticism I have against the whole squad and the whole team is we've got too many left footers and sadly if you watch it they tend to drift to that left hand side and in the first half we have Maloney, Gomez and De Santo all kind of if you drew a line between the goals it was all on that left hand side Yes. and the only person who was trying to make any headway down the right hand side was Stam and he was totally exposed when uh, when we lost the ball and so I'd, I'd like to think that for, for once we can actually keep our shape and our formation which is a sign of a really good team who can actually keep the shape, keep the formation. We don't seem to be able to do that. Yeah. And, and, and going back to what you were saying about the defence at the time, I, I was livid uh, at that second goal because I, I thought uh, Caldwell had heard a shout and he stepped forward. It looked as though he'd stepped forward and stepped into the back of Fletcher when Fletcher won that ball. And I, I, was, I, was, I was cursing him, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but I do think we need to uh, look at how we're coaching them. You know, I think when you look at it as well, is what defensive coaches have we got? You know, who, who actually is defensive coach? We know we've got an assistant manager who is an ex centre forward, um, but we're not scoring that many goals as well, neither are we. So, uh, mm. how far do we take this? <laughs> I, I was upset, I was annoyed, but yeah, with the second half performance and the changes that were made, uh, with Enriquez in particular, he's 18 years of age and my goodness does he show he's got pace that lad has and he can turn. But the one good thing he, he can do is he can make a run and he can take defenders with him, which creates gaps, which hopefully the likes of MacArthur and McCarthy and Maloney will step into with the ball. So yeah. it, looks, it looks an exciting prospect. And Espinosa has got a cultured left foot. But then again, so's another six players in that team who've got cultured left foot. <laughs> We're just lacking someone with the cultured right foot at the moment, you think? I like to see players who can use both feet. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know there's been uh, a lot of talk about uh, Wigan Athletic only pass one way. And if you watch some of the players, Boosters, your uh, even Figueroa, will actually pass backwards rather than pass with the right peg. Yes. And that annoys me now because these are guys that are top professionals. You know, it's when, when I used to coach the likes of Robert at school, it was I, one of the things I drilled into him was you use both feet. You've got to use both feet, tackling, passing, whatever. And uh, that standard, prefer, you know, 
Premier League footballers. Yes, there's been some wonderful players who've only got one point peg. Like, let's take Maradona, let's take Messi. But my God, can anybody get near him? They have to be world beaters if they're so dependent on one, uh, on, one on using one foot. Yeah. So. Sorry, I climb off my sofa. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Barry will get it in the edit later. He's, he's an editing whiz, and if he leaves this in, I'll eat my heart. Okay, so uh, does anybody else have anything else to say regarding that? Regarding the game on Saturday? Will it go ahead? Oh, sorry, the last game, the Sunderland game. Can I say something, picking up on what Mix just said, it is me, yes. Mm. Um, he touched on defence and the lack of defensive coach, and that's evident throughout Roberto's reign. Um, I've got a list here of the goals conceded. Well, this is going to be interesting. Roberto Martinez and the four years previous. So far this season, we've conceded 43 goals. Mm -hmm. Now, none of us really liked Steve Bruce, and he wasn't our favourite person and all the rest of it. But in a season, 2008-2009, his team conceded 45 goals in 38 games, not 23. We've conceded 79 in a season, 62, 61, and we're on course for 70-odd again. So, that stands out glaringly obvious what needs to change. We need to, as Mick correctly says, sort our defence out. Now, only a fool keeps making the same mistake over and over again. Intelligent people alter the systems and alter the training regimes and whatever's needed to get the results. Something needs to change. And something needs to change quickly, especially given the fact that we've lost our best defender. Mm -hmm. So, without stating the obvious, come on, Wigan. I think I think we're going to replace Ramis though. I think we'll get two more. In. There's going to be Ramis and going to be the attacking player. Do you think we need to? Do you think we need to go out there in the market to get? A Not necessarily. I, th I think we might get a backup, but I think it all depends when Alcaraz comes back. I think he's due back next week. But have, have we no faith in Goldo? I do. I think he was brilliant. He was the only redeeming feature from the Bournemouth the Bournemouth game the other week. Um, add that to he's an absolute character as well, and, you know. But you know, Roberto's a man who makes the decisions, and I think he, yeah. you know, he's like he prefers to have some people he knows got you know that bit of experience. That's why he plays these players in the cup so they can build up that experience. But you know, if if, if he didn't want to use Goldberg in his first team this year, you know, why not send him out on loan? Yeah, so. I, I agree with you that I think that's a very good point actually about getting him out on loan, so he's actually getting regular yeah. uh, first team matches because. Uh, I've got to be honest with you, he reminds me of myself, he's someone who probably needs to lose a stone or two. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, watching him close up like he did against Bournemouth, uh, I like his composure, I like mm. the way he was talking on the pitch because he was organising things, I think he's got a very good touch and I looked at some of his tackles and he, he knows his he knows his onions that aren't. He's a confident player as well and that means so much in defence, you've got to be confident, you've got to be able to open your mouth and just impose yourself. And, Maybe there's been a bit of a lack of confidence. I mean, what, how many goals have we conceded in the last few games now? You know, last two at home was it's total seven, isn't it? And I, so. I also noticed too, such as after the second goal as well, there was absolutely no reaction at all no. by the Wigan uh, players, in particular the defence. Whereas, if that was any other club, if that was say, dare I say the words, uh, Man United, uh, people would have had a serious uh, tongue lashing on the field from certain key players. Mm. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. And that worries me now. 
because it doesn't look as though there's somebody strong enough on the field. You see the likes of uh, McCarthy, MacArthur, and Maloney because they're midfielders and, and, and they're from north of the border. They're snappy and gobby anyway, aren't they? Um, but we didn't have anything like that in, in defence. You know, yeah. Just that, that that for me is a worry. Yeah, it looks as though there's a, there's a bit of character missing from the team. I think he might look at a short term six month sort of loan deal I think he probably will bring or lead to bring someone in <coughs> but then again if we're doing that we're probably we're going to have to look overseas unless we probably send Miachi back as we discussed pre-record he said he's not doing that though I think so I think yeah. I think our loans domestic loans I think are done but then we don't there's no point bringing someone over from abroad with no experience because I think that's what we need at the minute with too many just, that's blatantly obvious conceding too many goals and I think it's chucking Golubar in it. I know it's the deep end. Mm. I, uh, I mean, I, th I think when I said before, you know, why don't he send him out on loan if he's not got him in his first team plans? I think he might do. I think he might throw him in along the line somewhere if, if we need him. Um, and I think a lot of Latics fans, especially ones who went to the Bournemouth game, have got trust in him now. So yeah. it won't be the, the worst replacement. I'm sorry to be negative again and throw more negatives on the table, but. All I want is the best for Wigan Athletic. I'm a Wigan Athletic fan. These lads know it, you know. I want the best for Wigan. And, but I'm sorry, but I'll, I'll bring this negative up again. 14 defeats. Greg said before, we'll put that one to bed. And maybe there's a lot of these, oh, we've lost again, we'll put that one to bed. And you shouldn't put it to bed. You should deal with it. You should, yeah. you know, it should provoke a reaction. We've now lost 14 games, which is more than any other Premier League team. You know, and I look through this list, as you can see, I've got a list of the 14 games here. You know, as they used to say on Bullseye, come and have a look what you could have won. <laughs> you know, and I've stirred one, two, three, four, five, six games. Sunderland twice, Fulham, Swansea, West Brom and Norwich. Let's face it, if we'd set our team up better... We could have got something from those games. I'm not suggesting that we could have won them. I'm suggesting that we could have perhaps got four points from those six games. I think the uh, quite reasonably. The Sunderland away one. I think while I agree with most of them on there, I think the Sunderland away one. If you remember, I thought we were really hampered by the goal miss. I, I hate goal miss fifty odd minutes or something. But I do think that had a big effect on the game because it changed the way we played. And yeah, I don't like blaming refs. Yeah, I don't like blaming refs. It was an accident decision. He, I can see why he sent him off. But I do think that hampered us in that game. Yeah. The rest of them, there, uh, the Sunderland at home game, I thought we should be winning. I mean, that's yeah. looking at them. A lot of them, you know, likes of say Norwich away, you know, even Fulham at home. We had it's a tough team to beat. West Brom, they're a tough team. You'd have taken draws in them, but I think the Sunderland one was the one out of there that stands out. That I think we should have won that yeah. alone draw. Considering two performances against what I what I think to be better clubs. I mean, we Wigan nil, Arsenal one. We played very well that game. Yeah. And straight after that, we went to Everton and only lost narrowly 2 1. And again, it was a contentious record decision. Yeah. So, we, got, we, got the, we got the decision though again with the corner goal in the end. Yeah, so I, think that uh, one I suppose that's right. Then again, I, I've got to mention this Manchester United 4 0 twice. It's just not acceptable. We gave up twice, in my opinion. I'm sorry, Barry, you can cut that out if you want, but I think we did. We came on, we started well and gave up. Yeah. He was, Sorry. Yeah, he was, I, was horrible. I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you 100% there. And it's all about consistency and continuity. When you look at some of those games that we've lost, those teams were not that brilliant. West Brom, for instance, when they came and they, they took them points, they weren't a good side, to be honest with you. 
on that day they weren't a good sign they were there for the taking and we just couldn't rise to match them yes and I don't know if it's just a total lack of confidence where you know publicly they're um, they're claiming that they're up for it and they you know they're ready and prepared for the challenge but deep down I don't know if they are now that's a big negative I know but at the same time shouldn't they be doing something about that those mm. people in the know yeah they should they should. That's one area I've always had faith. I, I do think I do have trust in Roberto in that if a player isn't up for it, I don't think he played. So I mean, I, I've got this vision there that every player who plays for us is up for it. Um, whether what goes wrong from there, I don't know. But I do think I don't know. I don't like questioning the players' efforts because I do think I, you know Martinez. He just genuinely, I don't think he touched him with a bear's ball if they don't want to play athletics. And we saw it with Van Arnold straight back to Chelsea. And he's I'm, a good player. I'm, I'm not saying it's a case that they don't want to play athletics. Just the, yeah, I, I don't just really don't give up. think they're actually uh, mentally up and um, like they're all physically fit lads. They can all play mm. football, um, but do they appreciate? Like for instance, do the actual players appreciate what the FA Cup means to the English people? Do do they know what these games mean to the actual fans and how important they are to us? Mm. Um, you know, it's that little Shanky saying, isn't it, about football? You know. It's not just a matter of life, it's more important than that. Yeah. You know, I said. wouldn't say it's, I wouldn't say to me personally it's that important. But if I pay me money, I want to see a performance. Yes. You know. I know if I go watching Lamers or Airblow, I'm gonna get entertained for two and a half hours. <laughs> you know. And for the for half the price I'm going to Wigan Athletic and I'm coming away angry and frustrated. Too many times to this season, I must say, because yeah. I have. Yeah. Well, Mick, you mentioned the FA Cup there, and I feel tempers are flurring slightly. We're going down in the doldrums, so I'm just going to try and lift the mood a little bit by mentioning Macclesfield, who we've got this Saturday. What's the name of the ground? At Moss Rose, yes. There again, my lack of notes <laughs> is showing through. Yes, and... In the past, we've only played them twice in the league, and that was in 97-98, the year that we were promoted from Div 3. Oh, it wasn't. It, what was it, sorry? It was the year after. It was, it was the year after. yes. Ah, so it was when we Division 2. Yes, they had back-to-back -back promotions, and it was the season City was... Yeah, because they, they, they did City. They yeah. did City at Moss Rose. Yeah, City famously took 10,000 fans to Moss Rose. <laughs> the capacity is 6,300. Like some London when they came to yeah. the BW that year in <laughs> 2005, was it? <laughs> well, I personally have got my ticket. I don't know about you men. Yes, I have, I've got mine. Yeah. Soul point. <laughs> Soul point. Not late to go. Uh, no, I um, missed out actually. I oh, didn't get right. around there quick enough, to be honest with you. Did expect them to go as quick? I didn't know. Um, and when you think about it, they all went on the day of season ticket sales. Mm. So that says something, doesn't it? That's that's pretty good. Um, but no, I shan't be going to Macclesfield. It's amazing. I think how many people are going. You know, two thousand. 200 to 2300 yeah. and then you look I mean I might have been a last person to get our attendance but we, I don't think we've taken more than a thousand anywhere this season and now we're taking 2000 something um, just shows how much the fans are up for it so. yeah what do you think the appeal of that is do you think it's the deep seated love of the FA Cup no. 
Or do you think that it's just that it was fourteen pounds? It's a little bit that. Though. I, I don't think it's the fourteen quid as well. I think that's that's got a part to play in it. I just think it's the old concept of it. It's one of the old-fashioned grounds. It brings back a few memories. Yeah, it's cheap, hmm. but it's the perfect place to go and have a day out. You know, fans. You know, you can set off early, get the train there, have a few drinks, go to the game. Friendly atmosphere. It's a nice place. Macclesfield. Well, nice people there anyway. Macclesfield. Um, I just think it's gonna. It's made for a good day, out, isn't it? So I think that's what's the what's the appeal. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward forward to it myself. Yeah, the uh, the away end is actually all terracing, isn't it? So yes. uh, this would be the first time that I've ever been to a football match or a league or non-league football match where there is terracing. Apart from, of course, the times when I've stood on the touchline with the dog, <laughs> watching people <laughs> over the backfield. Uh, so yeah, what are people's hopes and dreams, thoughts for Saturday, uh, Rob? Yeah, I think we're probably looking at a few changes again. I think he made nine in the last game, didn't he, at Bournemouth. Mm -hmm. Probably looking at the same amount of changes. I think it should be enough to probably get through. Um, probably be a tight affair, though, because they're going to be well up for it. It's obviously their biggest game of the season, the biggest crowd. It's, I think it's probably the first sellout for many a year. So no, they're looking forward to it down there. It should be a good atmosphere. Uh, standing there on the terraces, looks like uh, old school, isn't it? So yeah, it be, I, I yeah, can't wait. Looking forward to it. Should be a great day, as Greg says. Yeah, I don't think there's a single, <laughs> I don't think there's a single Macclesfield or Wigan fan that isn't looking forward to it. Begs the question of why haven't one of the television companies bought it to show on the television? But. It's an interesting stat on that actually. I got told today, I don't know if you saw it. Last time United weren't on television for an FA Cup tie was 2005 against Exeter. <laughs> Whoa. So as long, so as, as long as they're in the FA Cup, they're going to be on the box. So every single round yeah. since then, Man United's been on the television. I mean, looking at it from like a, you know, an outsider point of view, it's probably one of your best bets for a, a big shock, as it were, you know, non league against league. Um, it's a derby, sellout. Well, not derby, it's a sellout. It's going to be a really good atmosphere. Um, I did a story in the Evening Post, should be going down, I think it's Friday, might be going to Wigan Evening Post. A Wigan fan who lives who books down in Macclesfield and he's been getting a lot of ribbing this week. So, I mean, there's a bit of a build up to it as well. Um, so, I, I, I don't understand why it's not on the box myself. I think it's the pick of the bunch in terms of what, for a neutral. Well, it's the implications of what the TV cameras are going to do to the game, though, aren't they? Because they have to change the time of the kickoff. True. Then they have to look at um, will the fans turn up if it's going to be on TV? Because the clubs get paid, don't they, for televised mm. games? So they get the individual payments. So um, I think the cameras are still going to be there and it'll still be featured on Match of the Day. And so you see, but I'm one of these, I'm of the old school. <laughs> Forget the TV. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd probably want the, the TV. Saturday afternoon, three yeah. o'clock, everybody has to be there. You know, I'd have moaned if it was on TV because we'd have been playing at about God knows what time, 12.45, <laughs> so I'm, I'm just, I'm just yeah. being miserable, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm quite happy it's not on TV. You used to move to a Tuesday lunchtime or something. And speaking of, speaking of old-fashioned, good old traditional English-British football grounds, there's been some news this week regarding Wigan Athletic's training ground. The brand new academy plans have been set out for the new facilities to be built at Christopher Park. And we have amongst us a person from <laughs> the Wigan Evening Post who is party to some inner workings 
of the meeting that took place earlier this week? Well, to be honest with you, it's not the Wigan Union post that one I've got. It's the I was I'm a resident at the area end there, so I was invited ah, to the meeting. Okay, so uh, it's not. So I was there as a resident, as a reporter, as a fan. <laughs> it's <laughs> everything. Three different people. No, but no, I was uh, really interested in. Uh, Dave Whelan gave the talk uh, of what was going to happen, and they had plans everywhere. Uh, most of the neighbours seemed quite happy with everything. It, and I've got to say, as a Latics fan, though, it looks fantastic. It is honestly, it, from what it's going to be, it's going to be the standard of United and City. It is that high. You know, I've got an indoor pitch there. You've got a floodlit 3G pitches, loads of little pitches. I mean, this is just going to be for the kids as well. You know, mm. um, it's long term wise. You know, as long as we can keep building that revenue, we can keep fighting where we're fighting then I think this is going to be such a great great um, thing for us um, you know we've got like I said there's a 3G pitch now which is going to be floodlit so there's going to be kids on there for the youth development up till about 9 o'clock at night playing on there uh, then you've got on the second it's a lot of grand you've got another load of pitches as well so I just I just think it's going to be the great for the long term future we're going to flat it myself it looks brilliant here here Gareth you want to add something to that? Which is all the more reason we need to get our act together and stay in the Premier League and take use of these facilities. Absolutely. I think it's the biggest season now we've got with announced this. I think it's probably the biggest season for us to stay up. You know, I think uh, I won't say there's added pressure because of this. I don't think the players will be looking at this and thinking we have to stay up because of this. But you know, this is they're looking. It's going to be a quick turnaround. This as well. It's going to be ready before Christmas. They were saying. So before know, Christmas. Yeah. So I mean. The, Wow. To have this establishment, I mean, I think it's you've got to go. There's three different classes you've got to be in to have Premier League, you know, to have Premier League status training. Class one, class two, class three, or it could be ABC. I'm not sure. You've got to be class two first, then you can develop onto class one. So this is basically it's like the foundation for a cl class two training facility, and then we'll move up into class one. Right. Um, but like I said, it, it, it does look honestly fantastic. I mean, Gareth, you'll know you live on the, the estate where I was. I, mean, I remember going watching. Latics train back in the late 90s and you know when Roberto was a player and it was a whole lap place you know it was just a field with a wall and a kick around and to see what it's become I mean I think it looks quite impressive now for what it is but for what it's going to be now it's it's going to be a multi-million pound complex yeah hopefully push our reserve reserve standing up a little bit and get a few more young players pouring into the first team Okay, so predictions for Macclesfield on Saturday. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing these. I think we'll go clockwise around the table, starting from Greg. What do you think, Greg? I think they're going to come at us. Oh, I think we'll sneak a two-one win. I think we'll go one 0 down and get a two-one win. A close game, do you think then? Yeah, I think I, don't, I yeah. think it'll be a hard game. A proper Northern FA Cup tie. I hope so. Mm -hmm. Gareth, as you know, also said in previous podcasts it's not exactly my top priority I'm, uh, I'm sort of really focused my attentions on the Premier League so I'm not really bothered about it uh, I think we'll lose Macclesfield 2 Wigan 1 alright so we've got a good game though a good, a good game. game yeah so we've got a 2-1 loss and a 2-1 win Rob yeah, I think it'll be tight in terms of scoreline but <laughs> the, the way we defend at the minute I'm not convinced we're going to keep a clean sheet, so I think we're going to sneak it 3 2. Whoa. I'm, I'm going to be a bit more confident in that, um, and I'm going to say that we'll get, we will shut them out. I think uh, they'll react positively to what's happened in the last couple of weeks, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping that they're going to uh, run away with it. I'm hoping for a minimum of at least four goals. <laughs> However, it, it, uh, that for me is going to be determined by the pitch. 
Oh right, yes. Definitely, the pitch is going to because look, you, look what division they're in, and let's be honest with you, they've had the pitch cleared once already. We've got snow forecast for for Friday. Um, if it's a boggy pitch, I think we're going to struggle actually. I really do. Yes, that great leveller, the lower league pitch. Of course, Roman Golibar, remember back to earlier this season, has had some time in the Scottish lower leagues, and he made an off-the-cuff comment regarding, you, you know his sense yeah. of humour, we've discussed his sense of humour, he made an off-the-cuff comment regarding the quality of the pitches there, so we get him in the centre of defence, he'll know exactly how to deal with it, I think. And I'm torn, really, I don't know what to go for. I could go safe and say they're going to take us to a replay, but I'm not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join the bandwagon and also say a 2-1 win to Wigan. But that's more of hope than expectation, I think. Can I pull you up on what you said about uh, you're not really bothered about uh, the FA Cup? Yeah. Um, I think anybody who's been involved in any club, whether it be football, rugby or whatever, know that a good cup run stands you in good stead for your league position as well. How many teams have got to Wembley and been relegated? Birmingham, Portsmouth. It happens, doesn't it? Yes. But so realistically, the two are not that connected. But two out of how many? True. Two mm-hmm. out of how many? Because there's always two teams who play in the final, ain't there? One of well, them. Yeah. For instance, normally the more successful teams get to the final. But look at look at the recent cup run of Bradford City and what that's done for club, for club fans and everybody's got. It's united everybody for a start. It's united everybody, and I think going back to what I was saying earlier on about the fact that I think we're, mi- we're missing a presence on the pitch. I think the club needs a good cup run to boost its confidence. I, I think really it, I think it depends entirely on the team itself. I don't think some some teams it can have a positive effect on some teams it can have a negative. I don't think there's any right or wrong answer. Um, some teams it will boost the confidence, other teams it will distract, and we don't know because we've never had one. Well, not since you know obviously Paul Jewell's but under a burst, so we've never had one. So, well, you, you've, you've always got the thing, even if you look at it cynically. Uh, from the point of view of a good cup run brings money into the club, yeah. which means it brings it into players' pockets. Mm. And you don't get that bonus unless you play, so you want to play that game. But you also want the winning pay rather than the losing pay. And in all the dressing rooms I've been involved with, that has been a major factor. And good cup runs have, have proved positive because lads, sorry, the players have actually been up for it. Yeah. So they're going out to impress in a league game to get a, club, uh, to get a cup, uh, cup shirt, and vice versa as well. Because if you do have a good cup run, then you're good enough to to do it in the in the league matches. But then it's up to you whether you keep that that standard up, and hopefully it'll rub off and you'll get some positive results. So I do I do see your point. With the greatest of respect, yeah. though, the team that play in a cup, we've looked at our cup competitions while Roberto's been manager. The the team that play in the Premier League and the team that play in the cup is largely different, isn't it? We made, was it nine changes against Bournemouth? So realistically, the, it, it's creating competition and it's more time, as Rob always says, for the lower players to play and develop and all the rest of it. But the two are not connected. The Premier League's the Premier League and the Cup's the Cup. Mm. And I know what my priority is. Personally, I would like to see a full strength side going out on Saturday against Macclesfield to give them the confidence of actually banging some goals in. But at the same time, if I was the manager, I'd be thinking of what's the pitch going to be like before I actually pick my team. Because I'm not going to put, you know, eight million quid worth of talent on the part there if it's going to be, a, you know, played up by cows or something yeah. like that. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think we all know what team he's going to pick, though. I think, I think Rob Lesley will go at Stair goal. 
Who will, sorry? Robles, the new... Yeah, new I, I agree. Um, and I think that'll be good for him, because have, I think Goldberg will be in front of him. And I don't I don't think his English is amazing. I, th- I know he can, he can speak a little bit, but to have someone like Goldberg just in front of him, it'll be easier for him to communicate. Yeah. I have it on good authority, his English is pretty good. Is it? Yeah. I don't know myself, but I can imagine it's, it's probably easy to communicate in a football match in your native tongue, and I think having someone like right. Goldberg in front of him, I think it might make it a bit easier. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw t- 10, maybe 11 changes sat there. I wouldn't be surprised. Do we have that many players? Have to bring some in on loan just just to completely change our team? I think, sorry to interrupt you there, but I think we said when we were talking a couple of weeks ago, the last thing we would want to do is put two key players in. We'll, we'll use James McCarthy and perhaps Mena Figueroa or Gary Coleman as another example. If, say, one of them got red carded in the cup and another one got injured, we couldn't deal with that. We've got enough problems as it is. So yeah. I think it'll use his development squad, shall we say. Yeah. Well, we've got two polar opinions there on what we should do on Saturday. But you've got to bear in mind as well that we have another game coming up next week. That's right. Stoke City away. So you've got two schools of thought there. You've got, do you play first-teamers on Saturday or do you save them up for the Tuesday? I'm personally of the opinion you're probably better saving them up for the Tuesday, but I'm a little bit younger. I've been through the sort of period of Wigan Athletic where the league has been the thing. The FA Cup has still got some of its romance, but I don't think I've been brought up with quite the same... Well, not opinions, but it's not a deep-seated thing within me that the FA Cup is everything, but... I'm going off on one here. What I mean to say is, we've got Stoke on Tuesday. <sighs> Where are your priorities, lads? Yes. I think you don't need to ask me, do you? <laughs> my, my priorities are 100% Stoke on Tuesday night. Right. I, I, I would love them to go through at Mattlesfield Town. I'm a Wigan fan, I want the best for Wigan. Which is, which is as much as we can get out of the Stoke game as possible. It's a dichotomy what's been around for years. It's what all the big clubs had to face at some point or other, didn't they? And the majority of the clubs actually just went, Matt, let's go for it. Let's go for everything. Yeah. Today, you can't do that. And you do have to prioritise. But for me, what is the priority? What is the priority? Is it winning the world's greatest knockout trophy? Or is it preserving Premier League status at the bottom of the league to stay at the bottom of the league the following mm. year? You know, yes. what do you do? What do you do? Yeah. And, and let's, I'll, I'll throw this one on the table. Would it be the end of the world if we did get relegated? I don't, it's not the end of the world, but I think Greg touched on it earlier. It's massively important this year. More, it is. I know it seems really cynical, but. <clears throat> Is because of the amount of money what's going to be coming from the TV deal next year. The, the turnover will increase by around a third, which would go massive where to pay for the new um, facilities for the academy and the training facilities and whatnot, and would probably stabilise and secure the club's future for a number of years. Um, but no, I don't suppose it would be the end of the world. But I think it is massively important to stay in the league this season for the development of the club to, yeah. to kick on. Hopefully. Well, to me personally, 
I've really enjoyed Wigan's time in the Premier League for the sole purpose of going up against the big men and sticking it to them on the rare occasion. It's worth all those defeats for me, just for the odd moment, you know, of of glory. And to stay up, as you mentioned, for the money, but also I'd love to continue the dream, as it were, because these are the Wigan Athletic glory years, aren't they? Absolutely, yeah. So, hmm, that's my personal opinion on that. So, Stoke, have we seen any of their recent games on the television, listened to them on the radio? I haven't seen much of them, to be honest, myself. I've, I've read quite a few reports, and obviously some of the games they've had, there's, you know, controversy is always there with Stoke, isn't it? Because they're always a very physical side that gets stuck in. Um, and they seem to grind out uh, results when they need to, and they've. I, I, I won't. I won't say we've been had great success against Stoke, but we've had some successful moments against Stoke, particularly at the end of the uh, the season game where we managed to stay up the other year. Um, Main of Figueroa's goal. Correct. Yeah, there's, there's been some considerably good highlights actually. Was all that. The one from the overall. Yes. Yeah. No, that was good. But I think um, if you looked at both games, looked at the cup cup match on Saturday and then um, Tuesday night's game, you've got to really be saying we've got to prepare for that Tuesday night match, and that, to a certain extent, if if the league's your thing, that's your priority, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I think because it's Macclesfield we've got in the cup, we've got the opportunity to put out a weaker side to preserve uh, key players for the Tuesday night game Yes, but it is a definite it's a game where we have to come away with something the next three league matches are games that we have to get something from them and if we don't then we're just going to be drifting away from right. um, the rest of the people that yes. the so the next three games are Stoke Southampton and Chelsea yeah so Stoke and Southampton they're looking at four points we're going to have to be really because we're unlikely to get some from from Stamford Bridge uh, going off the rest of the season are we Mm. following up from those fixtures we've then got Reading away and then two very tough fixtures against Liverpool and Manchester City so we need to be picking something up and Bronto Last week was a big letdown mm. for me. I'm sorry, we should have got something from should that game. I agree with you. We Definitely. really should. Yeah. As I said earlier, we should have got something from some of the other games as well. But mm. it's got. We can only deal with the next. What was was it a proper a good fact that I, I, I overheard on Saturday that we are actually going into that game against uh, Sunderland, uh, one place higher and one worth one point more than we had this time last year. Was that right? Going yeah. into the game against going into Sunderland. the game against Sunderland, we're in a better position by sorry, yeah, in a better position by one league position and okay. actually one league point more than we had this time last year. Yeah, we had that terrible run, didn't we, though, last season? That sort of Christmas Eight, time. Yeah, so for, it could have possibly been four points more than what we had this time last year. All right. Uh, but that yeah, which is not to show to vote. It isn't, is it? Well, yeah, I think the difference no. is that run of however many straight losses it was, personally. 
I like the idea though that the, that the chairman has got the faith in the manager um, with the performance this season we've already seen other managers have uh, bit the dust for less yes. than um, or should I say for a better record than we've got yes. this season Adkins. and I think now it's a case of the players repaying the faith the manager's shown in them right. uh, to you know it's only the players who can pose out of this Yes. And I'm, I'm positive enough, feeling positive enough that they can do it. Well, I personally think we've looked a little bit unsettled. Well, we definitely looked a bit unsettled on Saturday with Ramis out of the team. But hopefully the game on Saturday can... We'll get a win, bring the camera back, lift the spirits a little bit, and then I'm hoping that on Tuesday we can pull something out, pull something out of the fire. So the main issue, I guess, is what we're going to do at the centre of defence. Is it going to be pretty much the same as Sunderland? Or, well, I personally think we've got to make some changes. Yeah. We've got to bring somebody in. Or Is Alcaraz anywhere near fitness? Because we've heard, oh, he's a week away. That's been since October, <laughs> or whatever it is. So hopefully he's nearing a return, whether Tuesday's oh. too early for him. Yeah. Um, it might just be. Uh, but we can cross our fingers. Yeah. I also would like to see Boyce move forward to the right wing back position because, to be honest, I don't think Stell is good enough. Yes, we had this conversation but last week, did. didn't we? Yeah. Uh, and, and it underlined it again. I know what Mick said about him picking up a knock, which made things difficult for him. And he was also left exposed, which made him more difficult for him. But I don't think I don't think he's as good as Boyce. Yeah, anyway. I don't think he's as good a defender as Boyce yep. is. So when you've got Stan playing in place of Boyce on the right wing, you're essentially a defender light, aren't you? Because you're playing the three men at the back, but really it's four or five with extra men dropping back, including Boyce, and he's a big figure, actually, at the centre of defence, even when he's claiming to be playing on the right wing. So that dual role, that him dropping back into the centre of defence has unsettled the team a little bit for me, unsettled the balance of the team. But hopefully we can get that sorted. And I'm going to throw this into the ring. I think Roman Gullivar might start in place of Stam. And we've already discussed him yeah, at great give length. Him a go. Give him a go. Yeah. I think he, he's probably going to stick with the back, well, back five, if you will, uh, as Sunderland. I don't think he's, he's going to change it. I, don't, I can't see him bringing Gullivar in. Right. Uh, I think he's... I don't think he's quite ready to step up. I'd, I'd like to think he's going to have a dominant game on Saturday, and when we're 4-0 up, halfway through the second half, he brings him off and preserves him for Tuesday night. But, you know, I do agree with you about um, the Boyston Stam thing, but what about the two playing together? We're, talk we're talking again around the table now that we're actually uh, we're picking a team and, and suggesting changes to a formation that's already there. Why don't we change the formation and include them both? He doesn't change the formation, yes. does he? <clears throat> he tinkers with it. Yeah. He, he doesn't. He's not really changed it since about this time last year, has he? No. He's just probably changed the front three to a front two at times. Yeah. Uh, and that's why, again, like we discussed earlier, well, many podcasts ago, about when Boyce was exposed when he was playing right wing back, because he normally had. Morsey sat in front of him yeah. when it was like a front three then he changed it to sort of a front two DeSanto and corner so the, for whatever reason 
they, they couldn't get across it to arms. Mm-hmm. To well play, they, they weren't going with the fullbacks. You know, you're leaving them exposed, aren't you? Is there any team in the Premier League not changed the formation during the whole of the season? I very much doubt it. Um, so what does that tell us? Well, for me, it's players what win games ultimately. Anyway, it's not systems, is it? It's the players on the pitch as well. Yeah, but do I not think too much is read into systems for me. Right. I think. So, but at the same time, though, by looking at the opposition, <coughs> you expose their weaknesses, and sometimes a formation helps you to achieve that. Now, it is definitely down to the players and the players' abilities, um, but by putting them, the players in a certain formation uh, helps you to break down the opposition. You know, that wasn't that the secret of Alf Ramsey's uh, wingless wonders at Wembley, is he picked a formation and picked the players who could fulfil the roles within that formation, right? but changed it when he had to because of the opposition and how they play. Yeah, mm. That's uh, VS Boas yeah. does that currently at Spurs, he, he looks at the opposition and, and that's how he works. But you've noticed teams who've played Wigan this season have played a different formation against Wigan than they did the week before. And it's been successful yeah. against yeah. you, yeah, yeah. To, to nullify us. Yeah. Do you think yeah. it's a bit of predictability? You know exactly what we're going to do from week to week. To a certain extent, yeah. Underlining what Rob says about players, I'll just throw this one on the table. If we'd have Stephen Fletcher, Craig Gardner, and Alfred, is it and die? And die. Them are three players. If we'd have them three players playing for Wigan, we won the lost. We won the lost last week. We should have conscripted him before the kick-off, shouldn't we? So he yeah. will give you ten quid. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> All right then. Well, moving things quickly on. Do we have predictions for Stoke, Gareth? I'm going to try for a one-one. I'm going to hope for a one-one. Yes, Rob. I'm going for the same scoreline as early in the season. An entertaining two-two. Two-two. Yeah. Mick. I'm not going to say an exact score. I'm going to say we're going to nudge it with one. Well, I hope so too, but I'd be stupid not to predict a 2-2 because every single game between Wigan and Sunderland in the history of man... Stoke. So, every single game between Wigan and Stoke in the history of man has been 2 all. So, <laughs> and the Caldwell goal from the halfway line, I'm going to say. <laughs> so that's the line drawn under that one. And just a quick mention before we wrap up, for Super Franco De Santo, who's been called up once again to the Argentina squad to face Sweden at the beginning of next month. Super. So, <coughs> well done Franco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, so, yes. Hope you get in Argentina. Super. Snow in Argentina. Alright then, does anybody else have anything to add yeah. to this week's edition of the Progress with Unity podcast? No, sir. So. Nope. Offering some Uncle Joe's mint balls. <laughs> so, I think, <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's a sign that... I think that's a sign that we might have to draw a close to this week's edition. I've been your host, Dan, and it's good night from me. And it's good, good night, night from us. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> that was, uh,